Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Biz Dads. Great to be back with you guys this week. We've got a, a great set of topics to talk about today. Our Braves are back and on fire here in Atlanta. We've got all kinds of fun uh, baseball talk from me with our first kid pitch tournament. Fun stuff around the Sendate household. We've got plenty of things to talk about around sports and business news. The SEC and ACC coming out with their plans and us holding on to college football for dear life. Some interesting deals in the business world. We got a parenting 101 for you, talking about how can your kids be tough or how do we teach our kids to be tough. A fun segment, Talks with Twist. She's going to flip the script and ask us a couple questions. And then our final four, our favorite baseball players. Since baseball is on the verge of not happening <laughs> or canceling, let's talk about our favorite players of all time. Let's get into it. This week's Biz Dads. Hey, Andres. Hey, Twist. How was your weekend? It was good. We had a good weekend. My brother, as you know, was visiting from uh, from L.A., so sent him off. He's he's back home in Southern Cal, and we're... Did he motorcycle back across the country? No, the bike's in, in the garage. I, but he asked me, he's like, you want me to show you how to start it in case you have to move it? And I was like, no, man, I don't, I don't want any part of that. Just cover it. <laughs> Take the keys. I don't need my kids getting out there. So, no, the bike's in the garage. He's actually... He's got to go home. He's got to, some stuff he's got to take care of work-wise. And then he's going to come back, and then he's going to do the Great American Motorcycle Ride across the, uh, the Delta there you go. and uh, Texas and, and uh, make his way back in a few weeks. You know, Andres, I think there are two different types of biz dads, garage types. And I think your and I's garage types are, 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 are a little different. You have, if I remember correctly, you fit one car in your garage, and then you have a lot of other stuff in the garage. Mm-hmm. Now, to fit a motorcycle in there, I'm not sure how you did that. That's quite the Tetris puzzle. Yeah, so it's funny because we actually have, in the past, put two cars in the garage. And it's funny because my neighbor, his wife, you know, reached out to Heidi the night. It was supposed to hail. And uh, and so we were like, we're putting my car in the garage. So funny story is we moved everything out of the garage into the kitchen. And I fit the other car because the dude was like, there's no way... He's looking out the window at us. He's like, there's no way they're getting that car in the garage. And we did it. So, <laughs> um, Shout out to one of our loyal listeners, Brian Axe, uh, good friends of ours, the Axes. They, you know, I talked to Brian a lot. Brian has become a garage dad during all of this. He goes and hangs out in his garage and like tries to organize things. And, you know, you see those guys that like blow their leaves out of their driveway like five times a day. I think that's Brian. Yeah, I hear you. I, I do take the blower to my garage and it creates quite the dust storm. Let me ask you a question. You, you have an SUV and Margaret Ann drives is this a smaller SUV yeah, and you fit those in a two car garage. Where's all your crap go? Well, I try to limit my crap. I organize it. I'm very, there's a lot of hanging racks and stuff. And, you know, we don't have a like a workroom in the basement either. We have a small little shop, but... We've had to get creative, man. But look, man, that's part of being a, I think that's the definition of, you know, a weekend dad. You got to find a way to put all that stuff in certain places. I, I take great pride in my organizational skills. And a little funny story, my sister-in-law one time for Christmas, she gave us like, you know how sometimes people give coupons or whatever. So she gave us a, like a coupon for organizing our garage and a couple storage things to go with it, right? And I was kind of like, all right, you know, my sister and I get along very, very well, but we're also very similar. So she gets in there and she starts going to work and I don't like her plans and she doesn't like that I don't like her plans. And it nearly ended the entire family, uh, you know, right there, right then and there. We agreed that um, we were going to stop that project and just move on and be thankful for the time we got to spend together. <laughs> Well, let's go back to your opening salvo. I think you you you, th- you you threw the haymaker by saying, you know, we have different organizing styles. I think that's code word for I'm fucking disorganized. Sorry to not use that word. This is a family show. That's but, not, uh, not what I meant. Your garage is not my, the picture of organization. The rest of your life, especially your professional life, is yeah. very much organized and structured. Uh, we, we've got lawnmowers and fishing poles and coolers. Um, so... Yeah, I'll get to it eventually. You know, you it's also have one. Somewhere. You have one hey, big factor that I don't up. have, and that's the third kid. That's I feel right. Like your leash you is so much longer. And bikes and yeah, you got. I mean, plus your life is just so much busier. 
So God bless you, brother. Speaking of, back to uh, more important topics, the Braves are back. Did you catch any of the Braves, or were you at the ball fields all weekend? No, we were watching the Braves over the, uh, you know uh, each evening. The Braves are on fire. Dansby Swanson is lighting it up. I think we had a major injury today. Our ace, Soroka, okay. I think he tore his uh, Achilles, I think I saw. So not a great day for the Braves, but they have been on fire thus far. It's interesting, though, because you start to have the same banter with the ballpark dads every weekend, and the Braves are definitely at the top of that list of, like, and I don't necessarily watch the Braves as an Indians fan. We've been watching a lot more baseball. Ben's getting more into it. But I also need to keep up with my banter. I need to be able to hold my own, you know, in the in the hen's nest with all the dads outside the, yeah. outside the lines. Yeah, because there's always that dad who's, you know, the hardcore baseball fan, and they're usually, like, into all the stats. They know who's in the Braves farm system. I used to be into that, man. And, and you know, you'd ask me a question about a ball player or somebody that played in what – tournament and what round did the team get knocked out and I knew all that stuff I mean it's just too hard to keep up there's too many too many transactions too many people moving around but one thing I did hear about the Braves like they were playing the Mets right this weekend and Jonas Cespedes from the Mets like was MIA I heard like he didn't even show up at the ballpark and they couldn't track him down and then it turns out that he's just decided like he's not going to play this year due to COVID yeah ended up opting out there's probably some deeper story there but yeah he just MIA can you imagine, you know, your boss or your spouse just couldn't find you for a few days? Yeah. Especially it's in the weird. day now where everyone has their mobile device on their hip at all times. So, I mean, my dad used to tell stories. My grandfather, I mean, this is the, you know, the 50s. My grandfather owned a bar in Cleveland. And he would go, like, on three-day poker outings with his buddies, and they wouldn't he wouldn't come home. And, um... That, but she had no way of reaching him. <laughs> There's the, yeah. It's like the ultimate freedom. There was no excuse because uh, you know he didn't have a cell phone. Now you can't get you can't get by with that, man. Yeah, there's a good story about a, a loaf of bread and um, somebody in my family ending up in Chanute, Kansas. I'll tell you that story on another episode. <laughs> but uh, now before cell phones, you're right. Like you know, you hoped everything was okay, but you just really had no way of knowing. Yeah, man. Uh, Speaking of baseball. Hey, man. A lot of football news, a lot of college football news out there. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of college football news. Um, I am I'm a bit heartbroken. You know, this was a great year for college football in Atlanta, particularly. There were three Chick-fil-A kickoff games planned this year at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which would have, you know, had some great showdowns. West Virginia, Florida State, Georgia, and Georgia Tech were both playing games. Georgia Tech had a game against Notre Dame in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. All canceled. Um, so our great friends who, you know, we, we, I've done a lot of stuff with the bowl. And our great friends over there are going to have a lot more free time on their hands. So feel bad for those guys. But, yeah, you know, I just I hate that you're going to miss some of the best matchups, you know, with the ACC and the SEC not playing. Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State, you know, South Carolina, Clemson, you know, a little easier for Clemson. I think Clemson was scared of South Carolina this year, Andres. That's yeah. why they had – what a joke. I know. What I know, a Anne, She's going to take exception to that. Well, here's here's a question for you, Brad. It looks like the last three conferences that we were talking about last week, you know, did come out with their kind of plan. So they're doing the, what, nine, ten game kind of conference schedule, maybe a, a plus one, one non-conference. Is that kind of the consensus that you're reading? Yeah, SEC is conference only, ten games. ACC and Big 12, I think, were conference plus one. But again those plus ones are going to be hard to schedule. I think if they schedule them, they have to be in-state, I think was one of the one of the big deals. So, like, Notre Dame-Georgia Tech got canceled because Georgia Tech's additional conference game that wasn't scheduled needed to be in-state. So Georgia Tech's going to have to go play, you know, Georgia Southern or Georgia State or something like that. But interesting, they had Georgia, uh, Notre Dame jumped into the ACC and is now in contention this year only for – the ACC football championships. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and I think they're even sharing in their NBC uh, television revenue with the ACC, which would be unprecedented given that's why they've really and arguably maintained their independence for so long. Very lucrative deal with NBC from a broadcast standpoint. It's going to be an interesting football season, man. I, I am still thinking that they're going to keep a close eye on Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Some of the news happening there to see if they even have college football season. 
Yeah, that's what I, I, there's two things I wanted to run by you. I know, you know, you, you played college ball and obviously you've spent a lot of years in the business of college football. Two things that jumped out at me as I was reading headlines in the last week, just as a casual fan. One is, and I don't know if it's exclusively players in the Pac-12, but I'm starting to hear some chatter and seeing some news about colleges, college football players forming these like, you know, unity groups, I guess. I'm not sure what they're calling them to kind of put a list of demands out there. What do you make of that? Um, you know, it, it's, it is something to keep a close eye on. There's a lot of that's going to happen. It's only going to pick up more and more steam. Odell Beckham Jr. in the NFL came out today saying that they shouldn't be playing. Um, these student athletes, you know, have gotten more and more power over mm. time. And, I, and it really has to do with now they have such louder voices because of things like social media and the media mm-hmm. in general. You know, I mean, everybody makes it seem like my opinion only, just my opinion. Like college football is now all of a sudden breaking some sort of labor laws because these guys, these kids need, you know, they're getting full scholarships. They're getting cost of attendance. They're, they're, they now are having, you know, um, name image likeness dollars that are being discussed. It's just, you know, play the game. I, I didn't play at a big school. We went to play because we loved playing football. And that, I mean, we were lucky if we got a new, you know, travel suit every year at a small little school. So it just kind of chaps my hide a little bit when all this stuff happens. I remember a few years ago, players at Northwestern tried to unionize. Okay. Yep. Um, I remember that. And I mean, it just, again, it kind of fell apart. I don't know if this is going to gain some momentum or if this is something that's going to sustain past COVID, but I mean, look, I'm all for the players being protected and safe, but everybody's going to have a different opinion and yeah. not one side can dictate what's going to happen with the other. In my opinion, the, the people in charge need to make the decision. If you want to play play, if you don't opt out and maybe then the NCAA can figure out some sort of eligibility, you know, coverage if they decide not to play because they don't feel safe yeah the other uh, the other in football in other football news that, that caught my attention this is more uh, on the nfl side but the uh the nfl's had a number of players you know kind of leading with the patriots a lot of players not a lot but a, a, a you know a growing number of players are opting out of the season just due to you know concerns about uh covid and their health and maybe family members etc the chiefs my beloved you know kansas city chiefs have two Two starters that have opted out. One of them on the offensive line, and then uh, and then our running back, um, Damian Williams. So that's another. And in the deadline, I guess the uh, NFL um, deadline for them to opt out of the season is set for Thursday. So yeah. we'll be interesting to see how many players decide to opt out uh, between now and then. Yeah, I mean it's again unprecedented times. Who knows if these seasons are going to happen or not? But again, everybody's entitled to their own choice. But yeah. at the end of the day, you know, we've all got to work. We've all got our job to do. If they can, they can create an environment where people are, these players are protected, and they're already getting, like the NBA and the the uh, NHL and MLB, uh, are already getting, you know, preferential testing and whatnot because they're they're getting instant tests. Right. Um, the NFL had access to will have access to that, and these players are going to be better off on an NFL team than they would go into their own grocery store in most cases, you know? Yeah, I know we'll, we'll get into the NBA in a minute, but uh, but they seem to have managed it. I know MLB's had several series that have been postponed just due to uh, a spike and stuff. But, yeah, man, increasingly it's just we talk about it around my house, just trying to find, you know, more and more, you know, ways to, uh, ways to kind of live with the reality this thing's going to be sitting on us for a while. Hey, let's transition. Yeah. Tell me what your take is on the Microsoft uh, deal with TikTok. I'm I'm curious. I don't use TikTok. I know Twist. You a TikTok user? I did love TikTok for a hard minute, but it was too addicting, so I had to delete it. Okay. You can waste too much time on that. Brad, do you actually have a TikTok account? Does Trenches have a TikTok account? I do not. I had signed up to see what it was like. I deleted my profile on the app, but. I am not a TikToker. I am actually trying to go the other way on social media, trying to reduce my social media footprint. Well, Microsoft, you know, the ubiquitous office software giant is in advanced discussions to acquire 
the U.S., I think it's New Zealand, Australia, and maybe one other country's uh, TikTok operations. So the over the weekend, there was, you know, kind of a curveball thrown because the uh, the Trump administration came out and said publicly that they just didn't even want TikTok to be allowed in the U.S. And then, you know, kind of Sunday, Monday, today, we heard that there could be the, the deal could be back on. Um, but what I thought was was interesting, and there's tons of security things we could break down, which you're probably pretty voiced on. But well, one of the things I found interesting is that uh, President Trump uh, came out and said that, uh, you know, since basically the U.S. government has resurrected the deal and is making the deal happen, that he he wants the U.S. Treasury to get a pretty fat check from uh, from the deal. So that that's sort of an unprecedented take. The chief investment banker, President Trump, we'll see. I haven't read enough about whether or not that could actually ever happen. But uh, tell me about the security side of TikTok. I mean, I, I haven't done enough research, but I know there was some real security concerns, um, which kind of caused a lot of heartburn, you know, in D.C. You know, I, I'm not I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. I know that when I hear all of these corporations, you know, talking about whether they actually do it. You remember there was the story about Amazon sending out the email telling all of its employees to eliminate off their devices and then they retracted that statement. Um, and yeah, I know certain other places, um, big corporations here in Atlanta I've heard have, have talked to their employees about limiting uh, or, or not having TikTok accounts. There's, there's a reason for that concern, I would imagine, right? Um, it just seems to me that, that there's been a few incidences when Chinese-owned companies have raised a lot of concern and cre- you know, people have had a lot of caution on how it's implemented, whether it's, um, what's the, how do you pronounce it, uh, uh, Highway? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, that deal yeah. was, uh, yeah, got a lot of scrutiny. A lot, uh, yeah. I, think they make, I think they make chips. Right. I mean, there's obviously cause for concern in sharing so much personal data with a a government that is, I mean, in it to win it. They are trying to become a global power, and and they are already, obviously, with the size and and, and scope of the country. But uh, I just, it, it, for me, it gave me concern. That's why I didn't have a TikTok account. That and the fact that I didn't need all of that distraction. Um, I have no idea if it's warranted to be candid. I, I have bought into the rumors enough, and for me, that was it. That's why I decided not to do anything TikTok now. I'm interested with Microsoft owning it, obviously. How does that connection to China continue, if at all? An interesting thing I watched on TV this week, did you see the congressional hearings, them interviewing the CEOs of the big four? Yeah, yeah. so I did see a little bit of that uh, coverage. It was all done over over video conference. It was uh, Bezos, uh, Tim Cook from Apple, uh, the CEO of, of um, Google, and, uh, and of course, uh, Mark Zuckerberg from right. Facebook, right? And those poor guys, I mean, some of the smartest people in our generation, right, getting just completely lambasted by Congress people and some of the stupidest questions I've ever heard. But it, it just, it, it, it doesn't seem like they can do any right. Um, they're in such a powerful position. You know, they were talking about how, uh, they were questioning Bezos on how their Fire Stick device did not have a deal with Werner Media and their HBO Max. And they were talking to him about how they're basically, you know, creating a monopoly and they're able to dictate market by whether or not they're allowing this content creator on their devices. And it's just like just this total attack on what used to be, I think, capitalism. I mean, I'm all for small businesses making it, but. To put those four guys up there and just to completely go after them and attack them, totally off topic, but just blew my mind this week to watch that. If anybody goes back and watches that or keeps an eye on some of those questions, it's just absolutely insane. So I think Microsoft probably is going to have the same scrutiny. I I would bet that Microsoft wouldn't want to be in business with the government um, beyond what it's already doing um, at that level, but who the hell knows? Yeah, I mean, I I think so much of the... The congressional hearings ends up being more about theater than actual, you know, constructive dialogue that is going to lead to, you know, potential legislation, which could lead to, you know, maybe uh, 
more competitive practices. I mean, and there's been a lot of, of press out there and scrutiny of Amazon, for example, of effectively, you know, opening the door to these small companies. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, they gobble up the entire market that those small companies had created. I don't know how much of that is true. One thing that uh, that I always find when when watching those hearings, and I don't care if it's somebody being, you know, confirmed to the Supreme Court or it's a, uh, you know, it's a it's a congressional body that's investigating, you know, some some, you know, something that's gone on in in the corporate arena. I always get frustrated watching because it, it feels like you know these these congressmen and women spend all their time asking five questions and then you get like this two word response from the person that's supposed to be spending all the time talking. And it's just like, I, I just, it's just ends up being theater. And I don't know, I don't know that that's, that's necessarily it's intended for anything more than, you know, maybe, maybe there's a process and, and it's part of it. Uh, there's, there's something accomplished, but it always feels like it's, it's a lot of theater. I think you're right. I think it is, it is all for theater and, and ultimately to try to secure some votes so they can reference talking points that they've made in their next TV campaigns when their re-election is up. So anyway, moving on, we got some big things in our personal lives coming up uh, with the back to school or the virtual back to school and uh, a lot of interesting things happening in the world of back to school shopping. I, I, I mean, our, our shopping is completely different. We're not taking our kids out to go buy the nice new clothes, but we need, you know, new computers and devices and technology and all that stuff. I cannot think of, I mean, being a kid during back to school years ago, and then obviously the last three or four years doing back to school, I cannot think of a more unusual kind of lead up to the start of school, which for us is on, obviously on the 17th. Then this year, I mean, we're we're spending time like on all these websites researching laptops that <laughs> that we want to buy for like a five year old, and trying to figure out, you know, is it spill proof? Is it, you know, is the screen gonna break? You know, and instead of like going to Target or you know whatever Walmart to buy pencils and crayons, hopefully we'll be doing that soon. But yeah, I mean, our spending is just down. I mean, maybe it'll be up at the end of the day because of a, a laptop purchase. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's definitely different. Well, I just remember as a kid growing up, my summer, the only thing I thought about was my first day of school outfit. We would plan and shop the entire summer to have the most perfect first day of school outfit. So I don't even know what I would think about in summer nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> I hated back to school shopping because as a kid that was on the thicker side, I always used to have to go find the back in the day jeans were branded like husky size so <laughs> right, i used to have right, to right. go get my husky jeans and trying on all those clothes i mean we gave my poor mother hell because back to school shopping was the absolute worst i i hated it my brother hated it i just it was terrible um and it's terrible for us with our kids because our kids would wear gym shorts and tank tops every day of the week if we let them whether it be their first communion or you know, their first day of school. It doesn't matter. It's the worst. But Ben got his first Chromebook uh. for his birthday from his grandma. So he's got his own his own computer. Chromebook is something I've never messed with before. It's pretty interesting technology. I, though it's supposed to be set up specifically for kids. It's really easy to use. I'm yeah. Impressed. Yeah, we bought one. I bought a bought a Chromebook uh, at Target last year uh, in Black during the Black Friday shopping. We were in in Chicago and. I snagged one that that actually Frankie, my daughter's used now for you know for a year. She she used it through um, the shutdown in the spring, and of course that that attractive price point that we wanted, uh, we should have bought two in hindsight. But yeah, we've been trying to find one, and I'm trying to like I found that there are a lot of Chromebooks in that available right now, just because inventories are so low. There's a lot of Chromebooks in that 500 to like 800 price point. You try to find a good solid one for like under 400 and you got to make some trade-offs. And and the other thing, you know, just with the economy, speaking on, on the economy for a second, with the back to school, I mean, think about all the apartments that aren't getting outfitted and dorm rooms that aren't getting outfitted. I mean, I, I've been reading some, you know, reports that say that back to school shopping is going to be down, you know, potentially as much as 40%. We'll have to we'll have to watch and see. I mean, there's a number of retailers that have uh, that have gone belly up here over the last, uh, you know, the last two months with a few more over the weekend. So, 
man, retail is just really struggling right now with the exception of Amazon and some of the big ones. So what uh, what companies did you see went bankrupt this weekend? The two men's retailers, uh, Jose Bank and Men's Warehouse, they they became one company. So the, the, the two retailers are now one effectively, but they keep their own brands. So they, they filed bankruptcy. And then Lord & Taylor, big kind of higher end uh, department store, sort of at malls and stuff, they filed. And I, I just thought it was interesting because Brooks Brothers – filed bankruptcy previously so now the three men the three primary men's retailers you know as far as suits have filed bankruptcy and i i don't know if that's a trend because of how much you know um just work attire has changed i mean how many times have you worn a suit for work brad in the last you know year i'm lucky to have worn pants in the last six months <laughs> yeah man i don't i mean unless i'm making a presentation or asking somebody for a lot of money i'm not in a suit and i have gotten even lazier to wear i when i am wearing a suit or where i'm wearing a sport coat i'm not wearing a tie it's i'm wearing ties that just funerals and weddings at this point yeah it's amazing how much it's changed in in the last you know 10 or 15 years especially you know work attire has has gone way more casual i don't know if that changes i mean certain industries obviously still suit up but not definitely not as many retail in general is, is in a tough spot even if, if we do get back to some level of normal, the work apparel environment is going to change drastically. A lot more casual Fridays are going to come casual Thursdays, Wednesday, Tuesdays, and Monday. So, looking at some NBA and some, some Major League Baseball stuff, the NBA seems to have figured it out with their bubble. Major League Baseball with no bubble is having plenty of challenges. Um, you know, I saw an amazing game to kick off on TNT Thursday night last week. Uh, LeBron and, and uh, AD and the uh, the Lakers had a nail-biter with Kyrie and Paul George and the, the Clippers. It was a pretty good game. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a little behind on the restart. I did see this Saturday they had a, what, a quadruple header um, on. So there's definitely been a lot of TV coverage. I'm impressed that they've been able to, you know, run that entire bubble operation you know, without any positive tests. Whereas if you look at MLB baseball, and it's just a totally different dynamic, so it's hard to compare the two. But yeah, I mean, I saw tonight that uh, the Cardinals had a series postponed and, you know, I don't know, commissioners, I guess, got the ability with baseball to sort of unilaterally just pull the plug on the whole season. I don't know. I don't know when and what needs to transpire for that to happen. And hopefully for for everyone's sake, that doesn't happen. But uh, but yeah, man, hats off to the NBA for for making this work. And the format is different, man. I feel like that the without the big arenas, like you, you, at least watching the action, it's it feels much more like a pickup game. I don't know why, but you know, it's just the way the cameras work and everything. It just feels a lot closer. Have you watched an NBA game and an MLB game? So, are you have you watched both? Because I have a question for you. Yeah, I have watched. I mean, I watched a, a little bit of an MLB game. Um, that to me, just I don't know. That that feels. Completely different now, watching did you it on watch TV. A game with the cardboard cutouts or without the cardboard cutouts? I've only watched the NBA with the cardboard cutouts. No, I guess that's what those are. It looks like digital yeah, fan. NBA, that was kind of what I was getting at, is the NBA created a whole video wall where NBA fans are actually like being piped in to create a video wall environment, kind of like what they did in, in – uh, European football. Uh, I love it. I, I was having this conversation with my buddy Shane the other day. He does not like the cardboard cutouts of Major League Baseball. If you look at some of these parks, they've got card cardboard cutouts. But then if you watch a game without anything in the stands, the cardboard cutouts are actually of the three, without anything, cardboard cutouts or video wall. The cardboard cutouts are the most realistic, believe it or not, and look the most normal as part of the television broadcast. So that gets my vote. And they're selling, I assume they're selling sponsorships to these cardboard cutouts, well, right? They're selling them to their fan bases. So like the Braves, yeah. they're selling them for 50 bucks. And if you were an A-list member, which is, you know, their insider program, it was 25 bucks. So good little revenue generator, but it sounds like, um, it just seems to me that the, the venue looks more full and it just looks a little more normal. I think it's cheesy. When I first heard the idea, I was like, that's a terrible idea. And then I saw it in broadcast. I'm like, man, I, I like that better than anything else. But you're right on the NBA. It does look very odd. 
you know, it, it, it feels like they're playing basketball in a hotel ballroom. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just weird. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to have to, I guess I'll just have to tune in more. I mean, I'm glad that the action's back on. And obviously the games for some of these teams, each game really matters. Um, and they're getting ready to do their first back-to-backs. So it'll be, you know, playoff time here before you know it. And, um, you know, the baseball experiment will continue to work. <clears throat> yeah. Speaking of experiments, one little thing for you we didn't talk about in the pre-show, but I almost forgot about. Big news today, the XFL, the day before it was going to be auctioned off, was bought by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He dropped mm. the people's elbow and the price down on Vince McMahon. $15 million. He and uh, is led by Redbird. Um, yeah. You know, Redbird, who was one of the early investors in the NFL's On Location is leading the charge in a lot of the name image likeness stuff here recently (laughs) i wonder what they're going to do with it is it going to be like the next titan games and the rock's going to get it all tv worthy or are they just trying to buy it because they could flush 15 million dollars down the toilet and not even blink yeah it's man i that's now what is it two attempts they've tried to do sort of alternative you know to nfl they did it 10 years ago or 15 years ago and then they tried it here recently We'll see, man. Maybe they need a big celebrity behind it to try to try to create something. I mean, I, I'm I'm curious. I haven't done enough digging in. Do you think the demand's there? Yes, without a doubt, the demand's there. Um, this spring, prior to COVID, and you know the attempt at two leagues, uh, I think there is an appetite in this country for more football, um, and I do think it can be run the right way. These things can be great. I mean. There's no better frontman than than The Rock to to be out there. He's already had incredible statements talking about how he wants to do this for the fans. He wants to create an incredible experience for the players. You know, it's like the entire world is coming together in an episode of Ballers. <laughs> We're all just on an episode say. of Ballers. When the hell do I get my, you know, my champagne party on the yacht? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely got the 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 the, the credentials right between playing at the U and and obviously his uh his acting in ballers and dude's got probably a massive Rolodex uh to get something going so and a neighbor we'll, uh, who's our neighbor yeah we'll, you know, he, we'll bought a house. he bought a nine million dollar nice little shack uh down the road from us here so we're neighbors yeah anyway interesting stuff well hey let's jump into this week's parenting 101 So, Andres, we had our very first ever kid pitch tournament this weekend where the boys faced other kids pitching, and it was much better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it would be terribly slow. I thought the kids would be really hard to, it would be hard for them to adjust. We had our, you know, bumps in the road, but one of the things that happened this week, uh, this weekend is. Ben took a ball from the pitcher right off of his ankle bone, the inside of his right ankle bone. He bats right-handed. It kind of came right across the, uh, the inside and hit him right on the ankle bone. And he went down. I didn't realize where it had hit him. I thought it would kind of be at the top of the foot. He went down. He shed some tears. He limped over the third base. But he showed how tough of a kid he really was. And he took a minute. He walked it off. He jogged it off. You know, he had to... Let that pain kind of shake it off, if you will. But it was interesting, and it made me think about the lesson of the shake it off lesson. Like, how do we share with our kids how tough they really are, how much pain they can really handle, and then how do we help them forget that pain? Because now I have to make sure that when he gets in, this is his last at bat on Sunday, when he gets back into the batter's box, he doesn't think this ball can hit me, that really hurt needs to have a short memory but you know i was just proud of him because i know how bad that hurt there was actually a picture captured from the tournament organizers it shows the ball right on his ankle um so i knew it hit him in a sensitive spot i mean if you ever hit yourself in the ankle with a golf club you almost go down as a damn adult but how do we teach our kids to be tough without being too hard on them but most importantly without being too soft i think you know that i if i ever ran for office it would be on the platform of we need to stop pussifying our society so 
how would you, you know, deal with one of the kids, especially having boys and girls, to toughen up, deal with it, shake it off, move on? Yeah, it's uh, no, it's I mean, it's a, it's a good it's a good conversation um, topic because look, the they're just you know my boys anyway are so rough and tumble, and I I find a lot of times that. You know, they think they're hurt. They think that they're, you know, is, you know, they need, they need uh, a ice pack or bandage. And at the end of the day, it's just they want to see how you react right. to how they are, you know, how they're Very doing. And well said. I think early on with Frankie, you know, Heidi and I were just right there, all over, every time, you know, holding her on the playground, you know, not letting her fall. And and you you see that when you see new parents out there, and it's just it's our it's our instinct. So nothing wrong with that, but certainly by, by the second and, and for us, the third, um, they just have a lot more. We are giving them a lot more chances to kind of be uncomfortable. I mean, we were we were swimming earlier, um, you know, earlier in the summer. And, you know, Maximo is not he's not swimming yet. He's only three, but he's you know, we've been taking off the, the, the wings or whatever they call him and his whole body going underwater. And, you know, he comes up and he's just like totally uncomfortable but i find more and more that i'm comfortable seeing him uncomfortable and i don't know for me i think having grown up with uh you know my dad especially with sports i mean we were out there always getting nicked up and cut and bruised and he was always the you know are you hurt or are you injured and um you know the the hurt it's just like kind of get up and shake it off the injured is you know okay you know let's Let's pull you out for a minute. So yeah, man, I think that that's that's kind of the lesson here is however you react is how they're going to react. That's our experience. That's my experience for sure. You know, I I just kept yelling down to Ben, shake it off, bud, shake it off. I grabbed him. I told him how proud I was for toughing it out, and um, he got back out there and faced it again. I think every time we have an opportunity to to be calm uh, in the face of the, the challenging things our kids go through, the better they're going to handle it and the less, you know, anxiety we create around the entire environment. So that's this week's Parenting 101. Take it or leave it. All right, Andres, a very special spotlight on the biz dads. Producer Twist has got a list of questions. She's going to hit us with them. Let's go, Twist. Talks with twists. The young professionals need to know these questions. How important do you think is finding a mentor? Well, Andres, I don't know about you, but for me, I look at mentors, you know, as one of the most important things I've had along my journey, both personally and professionally, whether it be my dad, my mom, the influence that they had, um, you know, my coaches were incredible mentors. And I found a handful of mentors in my professional space that have really challenged me. And a couple in particular are the reason I am where I am today and have taken on some of the challenges that I've taken on. So I think finding a mentor is incredibly important. Yeah, I agree uh, 100%. I, I wasn't probably really good at figuring out how to best identify um, and, and then approach an individual that I wanted to be mentored by. And I, I guess my only takeaway on the importance is I think instead of thinking about going to somebody and asking them, will you mentor me? I think you really have to think about approaching folks and, you know, getting to know a little bit more about the things that they've done or doing that you find interesting and then trying to find some commonality. So for example, you know, you're interested in media you know, instead of going to somebody and saying, hey, will you mentor me because I want to get into media, you know, find that individual in media, find something that bridges you and an article or a piece they did or something, somebody they interviewed and then approach it from that standpoint and say, hey, I really thought how you handled that was was really interesting. And I'd like to develop that, you know, skill set or, you know, I think you write really well. And these two pieces I thought were really good and approaching it from the standpoint of something very practical because I can tell you people that are in demand to be mentors, the last thing that they want to hear is somebody coming up to them vaguely, generally, and just saying, like, will you mentor me? You know, because they, that you come off as very confused and lost. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's important to make sure that you understand you don't have to find somebody in your space to mentor you. Um, there are people that can help you professionally without having to be in your exact field. 
And for God's sakes, if you ever have the chance to mentor someone, make sure you pay it forward. Um, or start the new trend. If you didn't have someone that mentored you, make sure that you take the time to help people uh, you know, that are coming up. Yeah, I agree. I wish more young professionals realized how great mentors are and would ask more people. I have asked all my friends and I don't, none of my friends have mentors and I think they're so important. So I'm glad that y'all think it's important to that y'all are mentoring as well. The other thing I would add um, just it, real quick in is that there's, there's a distinction. I didn't know this until later on in my career and I'm not suggesting that I have done a great job. I've worked at smaller companies where, you know, there's probably fewer people to necessarily sponsor you. But I think the other thing to understand is the difference between somebody that's a mentor and a sponsor. To Brad's point, a mentor doesn't have to be somebody directly in your field. It can be. But sometimes you don't know what field you're going to be in, you know, in your career. And sometimes you'll make changes. So it's probably smart to pick somebody to mentor you or multiple people to mentor you. Whereas a sponsor is probably somebody that you do work with. And that individual is somebody who can, you know, advocate for you when there's, per, per, for example, a job opening or there's a stretch assignment or you want to get, you know, on a particular team to do something really challenging. And, and those individuals are kind of called in for those specific situations to go when you're not in the room on your behalf and, and help um, be an advocate. So I think finding sponsors in your organization is also really, really important. There you go. That's great. So what has been your biggest work challenge? How did you get through it? And did you learn any lessons from it? This is an important lesson. It's a great question for you to ask because everybody finds their challenges differently. And the most important thing is, overcomes their challenges differently. And the most important thing is how do you learn from it? For me, I was in a situation where I was not the one speaking on my behalf to a significant number of the decision makers within the organization. So I was being represented one way and was not able to, to properly position myself um, in the conversation. And what's challenging about that is perception becomes reality. You're judged only on certain criteria or certain elements of your job and not necessarily how you were doing it. And when I was taking the approach of trying to take on more, to do more within the organization, it actually backfired on me because I was not able to communicate to the decision makers and the overall superiors. They were judging me on one part of my job criteria and not looking at all of the other things that I had done or were doing to continue to keep the business moving forward. And that taught me a very, very valuable lesson that I needed to realize that I need to understand how I was being judged, what the criteria was for my job performance, and to find ways to make sure that I could properly position myself. I've never been a great self-promoter, and I think there's a very delicate balance between being overly arrogant and too self-promoting, but you also can't be quiet and sit back and let other people do your talking for you. So for me, that was a very, very valuable lesson because you, you can't rely on other people. This is a dog eat dog world. And um, unfortunately, most of us, as, as Norm from Cheers said, are wearing milk bone underwear. You got to get in there. You got to make sure that you're the one telling your story. For me, one of the probably the biggest challenges that I faced in my career is how to be effective with different personality types in the workplace or with clients or with people you're trying to do business with. So I am, if you, if you, you know, if you put me on the, the Enneagram, it's always a hard word for me to say, I'm a, I'm an eight, I think, which is a protector. And, and my natural connections are to givers and to observers. Um, other people are more perfectionists. Other people are more mediate, you know, they're more mediators. Um, and I have found as I've gotten further in my career, it is much more about EQ than IQ. And if you can, if you can find ways to be effective with different personalities to get, you know, things accomplished, um, when you clearly are just different, that to me is how you can kind of make a lot of progress, um, get things done. I think it's, 
you know, more fun because, you know, you find how people like to communicate. And there's just a lot of um, there's a lot of repetition that comes with that. I mean, meaning like you've got to have gone through a lot in your career. It just comes with time. And that's just something that's constantly evolving. And I'm always working on it, being more effective and and really, I think also, and it sounds kind of corny and cliche, but I, I have found more and more, and Brad, I'd love to get your take on this, but I have found more and more that when you are true to yourself and own that voice in, in, you know, this applies to, I think life, you know, as well as, you know, our business, uh, or careers or whatever, but like when you truly own that voice, um, that authenticity, I think, um, kind of always wins the day. Um, and it's, it is hard, you know, cause we have our, our work selves and we have the, the person sometimes that we are at work and we, we have to sort of be that. But then there's also sort of like the stuff that you do on the weekends and what you do at night and kind of who you really are. I think the more you can do those as one, the more effective you can be. That's awesome. Thank you for that. Okay. So our last question is you kind of watch your parents growing up and you watch their careers and you kind of fall in their footsteps, but how has your parents' career affected yours, and has it in any way? Yeah, you know, for me, probably the biggest influence on all aspects of my life came from my parents. I think a lot of people say that, but my dad, I remember one experience specifically. I was probably like 14, 13, 14 years old, and my dad took me to dinner, to a work dinner, with two other guys that I didn't know, and I got all dressed up, and we went to Bones, a real good steak restaurant, a legendary steak restaurant here in Atlanta. And he said, pay attention to, to how this work dinner goes. You'll learn what to do and you'll learn what not to do. And that was a lesson that he continued to reiterate to me that in every experience you learn what to do and you learn what not to do. And you have to look for both. You know, my dad was a guy who always had us even doing little things like practicing our signature so we made sure that it was legible when we signed contracts or checks. It was always a focus for them. Our professional development at an early age was something that was always top of mind. And that stuck with me. That had the more influence on my professional career than anything else. Um, both of my parents and their support and their willingness to understand that family comes first, but there is room for your professional career and family will be there to support you. So when I have to skip things because I can't be with them or we can't do certain family things together because work's come up, they get that. And that's something that we, you know, we've included in our family. And I'm just so honored that I got to have those lessons from them and that they spent that time and energy where they were just, they could have just parented me to just be a normal kid, but they took the extra time to you know, help me be a great professional as well. That's a great lesson. Yeah, that's awesome, Brad. Hey, uh, yeah, for me, I mean, I would say it's, it's you know, the same. My parents, you know, my dad, I would sort of characterize him and what I learned from him is he was extremely loyal as a, I think as an employee and, and was committed. Um, he worked nights, he worked third shift, he worked holidays, you know, um, and I, I just kind of look back now and sort of marvel, you know, he, he raised three kids, you know, and was just there. Like he coached and he, you know, ran us all around and we did every, you know, we did everything that a fortunate kid would, would get to do in terms of sports and all kinds of activities. And I just, I always marvel at, you know, how he fit it all in. And I, I think he did, you know, put his career second to family like brad said without question and uh and he was just super committed to us and then you know from my mom she went back to you know to school and finished her undergraduate degree and then went on to earn a master's degree you know while while raising us you know on the nights and weekends at a later age and so i look at her and you know one of the big lessons i take away is that you're never it's never too late for you to pursue the things, you know, that you want to do. And I, I tried to make that sort of, you know, a constant daily reminder, you know, I'm 41 years old. There's still a ton of things I want to accomplish uh, personally, professionally, the things I want to go do and see. And I meet so many people who, you know, they're sort of defeated before like it's eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and 
And uh, I just, I think we live, you know, in the greatest country in the world. We have the most opportunities of any, you know, any, any folks in the world in, in this country and shit, we're going through an unprecedented time. If you can find a way to be positive and, you know, find the silver lining, which damn, it's not, it's not easy for me even some days, but like, if you can come through this and, and, you know, be stronger for it, you know, more, more power to you. That is beautiful. Thank you guys for coming to Talks the Twist. This was a great one. I'm sure the young people learned a lot. All right, let's jump into this week's Final Four. All right, guys, let's end things here with our Final Four, our favorite baseball players. We talked about MLB. Hopefully MLB will stick around through the playoffs, the World Series. But if not, throw them out there. Andres, who's your favorite Major League Baseball player of all time? Pitcher, Nolan Ryan. Player in the field, Ricky Henderson. Twist, who you got? Mine's got to be Freddie Freeman because he is the name I've heard my entire life, but he's also an amazing Braves player and just a solid dude. Freddie Freeman is like 32 years old and you've heard his name your entire life. They are old. That's the only one I truly know of. My man. I feel like I've heard his name since I was born. My favorite baseball player of all time was behind the plate. He served the dish, Sandy Alomar Jr., Great catcher for the Cleveland Indians. I just fell in love with him. And then as he retired, moved on, he became Jim Tomei, first baseman for the Indians. Just hard working. And now, Sandy Alomar Jr. is back coaching the Indians. Good to have him back. And for number four, I mean, everybody loves Hammer and Hank, right? Hometown. Hometown yeah. Let's give sure. it up. Let's give it up, number four, to Hammer and Hank. All right, biz dads. Thanks for another great episode. Andres Twist. Thanks for taking some time this week. It was great to catch up on a ton of different stuff. We talked about a lot. I hope the listeners enjoy it. Don't forget, folks, please comment and rate it. Let us know what you think. We want to get better at this, and we want your feedback. Let us know. Thanks for listening. This is another week of BizDad. We're out.